Hello and welcome to the RPG Concierge, a podcast that explores a new aspect of tabletop role-playing games every season. Being that this is our first season, it seemed appropriate to tackle what might be the biggest hurdle in playing RPGs, the beginning. How do you even begin playing, finding a group, and overcoming the multitude of concerns that every new player faces? We'll tackle all these topics and more. I'm your RPG Concierge, Finnegan Justice Murphy. And today's topic is overcoming insecurity and building confidence. And joining me today is a very special guest, Joy Malik. Hello, Joy. Thank you for joining me. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So you are a very brand new player. Very. So I'm excited to have you on because I want to hear about your experience. But just as a little bit of background, we've been playing a a sort of one-shot weekly group where we get together and try a smattering of games for a handful of sessions. And you came in, and the thing that I think is so interesting is um, most people start by playing Dungeons & Dragons. It's like the the game that everything else is built upon. But you don't have that experience. No, I've never played Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, so... I, I just think that's fascinating. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But but first, before we dive into all of our RPG talk, let's get to know a little bit about you. Before you started playing role-playing games, what was your impression of them? Did you know about them? Was it a thing you were aware of? Barely. Um, my one and only exposure to role-playing games prior to joining our group was uh, I grew up in a town where there was what was sort of notoriously known as the vampire game. And this was a game, now I understand it to have been a World of Darkness game. But uh, at the time, all I knew was that like everyone in the town who was goth by day turned super goth at night. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and congregated in this plaza in the downtown area and just did something mysterious. And I didn't know what it was. So I, are, are you familiar with the term LARP versus RPGs? I am. And, and okay. yeah. Oh, okay. So yes. Um, I guess I should have uh, differentiated that that is not actually experience with RPGs. That's okay. Um, they're, they're so closely related. Um, just for our listeners, a LARP is live action role-playing, whereas an RPG is just a role-playing game. And so RPGs are generally done around a tabletop with a pen and paper and dice that you roll and LARPs typically involve people getting into character by getting into costume and then moving around and physically uh, play acting with each other in a a live role play sort of like Civil War reenactors would be LARPers um, as a touchstone that some people might be more familiar with. So yeah, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. That's okay. No, thank you for the clarification. So <laughs> yeah. I guess I had really no exposure to role playing games prior to joining our group. I I had heard of Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. but the thing that I think is really important to impress upon anyone who is listening is that I had no idea how these things worked. Okay. I mean, it was just a mystery to me. I didn't understand the game mechanic or you know the rules. I didn't even know enough to know that. In general, my understanding is that most role-playing games involve some sort of turn-taking. The dice decide a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. like the most basic elements I was missing. Okay. 
so your background with RPGs is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of your gaming background? Like, did you guys play games in your household growing up? Like, mm-hmm. do you have experience playing like, I guess, what's your nerd gateway, if any? Mm. <laughs> um, like precious little in the area of gaming. Okay. I mean, I love reading. I'm into like literature and uh, 19th century novels, things like that. I'm nerdy about stuff that is real does is not like adjacent necessarily to the cool. gaming world. Growing up, I mean, I got an Atari when I was like five. Um, Frogger was my favorite game. I just found Pac-Man too stressful. Um, <laughs> Uh and then and then my favorite like it's not quite a board game but card game was this game named pit uh which was basically a card game where you're you're simulating the opening of the stock market and everybody's screaming over each other trying to trade and i'm like not even really a capitalist but i loved that game when i was a kid amazing uh wow what that's that's that sounds like such a stressful game (laughs) to me (laughs) that was it was my kind of stress (laughs) yeah um uh, wonderful um so okay so you don't have much experience with rpgs no your your gaming background is is self-described as as limited um so what inspired you to try role-playing game like what what got you into our one shots Sunday group? Yeah. So um, it was two things. It was Brandon and the pandemic. Okay. And Brandon is, you know, for your listeners, um, a mutual, a good friend. Uh, both of us, you yeah. know, consider him to be a really good friend and a member of the gaming group. And he had invited me uh, maybe a year ago to join in on one of the one shot games you guys mm-hmm. played. And um, I'll, I'll get into, you know, what uh, kept me back a little bit, you know, a little bit later or what held me back, but I just had no interest. And then he tried again over the summer. And the, the big difference was that we were then, you know, as we are now in a pandemic and I had a lot more time on my hands and most of my usual hobbies were not very accessible to me. And so um, instead of just saying no, I started asking him a bunch of questions. And, you know, Brandon is someone who I think of as inspiring and, you know, he has a lot of passion for the things he's interested in. So that really intrigued me. Nice. Can you talk a little bit about how he... Like, is there something that he said or did that really hooked you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I told him that my main reservation was that I'm not a quick, I'm not like, uh, I don't think quickly on my feet. And um, at least in, let me put it this way, in areas that I consider my realm, I I can think just fine. (laughs) But uh but in an area that's new to me, I'm a slower processor and I've never done any kind of acting. Uh, the idea of something like improv terrifies me. And I really believed, I thought that you had to be good at those things to mm. play. And I just sure. saw myself, you know, envisioned myself feeling stuck and stymied and embarrassed. 
Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, one of my, one of the questions that I try to ask people when they come on is, is what were or are some of the things that, that gave you pause or, or that kind of stood in your way? Um, And I think the fear of embarrassment is a big one. I, I was saying in a, in a recent episode that this is a hobby that doesn't really have spectators. It's typically maybe five or six people in a room doing this thing on their own. They're both the audience and the performer. And then when they're done, they go home and that's it. And so it's not like playing a sport. You know, you can watch the sport on TV for a while or go to a game and just be an observer casually on the sidelines. And your skill level in that sport doesn't matter. And so people, I think, take that mentality into this hobby. And and a lot of the concerns that I hear up front are, I'm going to ruin it, or I'm going to be bad at it, or I'm not comfortable doing voices or, or getting into, you know, like, those are not things that are for me. And that's fair. You know, it's not, it's not a hobby that's for everyone. But I think a lot of those concerns can be addressed in some way or another if we can figure out a way to get people experience in it. I agree. You actually took the words right out of my mouth. I was oh. worried about, I was worried about being personally embarrassed, but I was also worried about ruining it for other people. Yeah. I saw myself as like getting stuck or not knowing what to do. And then the whole process grinds to a halt and all of these much more experienced players, you know, are just going to be like twiddling their thumbs or feeling irritated or, you know, that I was just going to, you know, I don't know, bring down the level of enjoyment for other people. Mm-hmm. That was terrifying. something that I think about a lot is in, in reference to role-playing games is the difference between, first of all, the importance of play in a social human's yeah. sort of uh, uh, mental health. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, while acknowledging that that concept is going to be widely different between all kinds of different people. But I think the idea of somehow doing something that brings you joy or doing something that, that challenges you and gives you that sort of rush is good. And I think that's something that we see kids do very easily. And adults have a much harder time doing that what you were just saying about being hyper aware of everybody else having a good time and you didn't want to ruin that. Whereas a kid can go up to another kid they've never met and have this, my niece calls them um, imagination games. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can just play an imagination game together and not worry about what rule sets are and make stuff up and roll with it and go with it. And I don't know what I'm getting at here, I guess. Um, I just think it's an interesting observation of um, how adults have a, a different experience when it comes to play than kids do. And I, I'm, I'm curious to explore that some more. This may not be the, the venue for that, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I was, th- play actually became a really big theme for me very quickly. Um, <laughs> in after joining our game and getting my feet wet, I remember telling a friend, like, it turns out that role-playing game gaming is it's play. I get to play as an adult, you know, Mm -hmm. I get to just show up and be creative and actually 
be foolish and make mistakes. And there are no, um, there are no consequences, you know? Yeah. There's just like you were saying, your niece, you know, little kids, if, if you make a wrong turn somewhere in play and I guess who's to even say what a wrong turn is, but, um, it's fine. You just keep going. Yeah. That's really freeing. So when you were talking with Brandon and you were bringing up these concerns to him, how, how did he address those concerns with you? Cause that might, his advice might be worth somebody else hearing on this podcast. <laughs> he, he said, he's, he said a lot of helpful things, but the one that was absolutely pivotal for me, the one that made me say yes, uh-huh. was he told me that you don't have to be in character the whole time. Uh, okay. He, he told me, you know, you can, you can go out of character you can discuss what you're thinking about doing with the other players. You can explore, you can, um, if you're in a scene with another player, you can, you can talk out of character to sort of plan a little bit or see if they're comfortable with where you want to head. Um, you, can, you can stop and say, okay, I'm not sure what to do here, you know, cause I'm thinking this, but then I'm also thinking this. And, understanding that I, it, I wasn't going to be like on stage for four hours, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I, that I could collaborate. Cause that's actually really important to me, um, to be able to know that the direction I'm going in is working for everybody. Yeah. Uh, that, that sealed the deal. It was like, okay, I, so it's not going to be however many hours of feeling constant pressure to think quickly on my feet. There can be these pauses and everybody else does them too. Yeah. Nice. That's great. I, I, I just love that because like I, I have been playing RPGs for a very long time. Um, I, I started with D and D with my cousin when I was like 12 or something. Wow. Um, and, and we played for like a summer and then here and there I would play with other people, but uh, I fell out of it in high school and kind of stumbled back into it in college um, and I've been playing semi-regularly ever since college. So for those of you listening at home, that was a while ago. Um, <laughs> so to me, things like not needing to be in character all the time, doesn't it? that doesn't occur to me as something that would be a concern because I've been in it for so long that I don't remember having that worry. Yeah. And so it's it's really great to get that perspective from somebody who is who's actively going through the beginner process right now. Because mm-hmm. um, you came to us July, so about six months ago. Yeah, and so you've played a little bit of what are what are the games that you played in? So we started with World of Darkness, uh-huh. and then we did uh, De- Deadlands. Is that how you say it? Yep. Yes, yep. I still don't even know how to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, we did just one one session of that, and then we did one session of um, Goblin. Not Goblin. Oh, Goblin Quest. <laughs> uh, or it, it was Goblin. Yeah, so yeah. Goblin Quest. And then we launched into Star Wars, where we spent quite a bit of time. And now mm-hmm. we are playing. Um... <laughs> of course, this is the one I blanked on. <laughs> the we're one playing... we played last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, we're playing In Nomine now, uh, Angels and Demons. It's a Steve yeah. Jackson game. Yeah. So in your experience as a, as a new player, you've jumped around, like we, we've kind of thrown you in the deep end here (laughs) as far as games go, because none of those systems are anything at all like each other. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Don't like, I know it? Right. So, so what has that been like for you? The, the knowing that pretty much every time we jump to a new game, there's going to be a whole new learning curve. Right. Um, it that has been a bit challenging, and I think I think there's a really specific reason why. Um, mm -hmm. From what I've gathered so far, there are people who, some people are really drawn to role-playing games, um, maybe even primarily because they love the design. They love yeah. learning the new game mechanic. They mm -hmm. love figuring out the rules and what they can do with them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's a point of creativity to really master um, the, the rules and the mechanic and how just how it functions, how it works. Sure. Um, I am not that person. I, I think of myself as strong in the realm of the conceptual, but not strong in the realm of the technical. So okay. I, what draws me to games is um, more the, the story, the narrative as it unfolds, the characters, their development, getting a little psychological with it. Um, the spontaneity, funny, I should say that since that was like what I was worried about, you know, <laughs> that was the thing that, that like terrified me in the beginning, but now that it has become a source of play for me, the spontaneity of it. Um, and I'm sure there are people who enjoy both, but I definitely lean more toward the, um, okay, the, the, the rules have sort of been established. I understand them enough. Um, and now I get to play. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that part has been challenging. On the other hand, it's given me exposure to like a wide range of what's possible out there. And that has been yeah. fun. Yeah. You just touched a little bit on your focus on character. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like for you to come up with these characters and maybe get into character a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my very first character was Diane in World of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was handed to me as a social worker by our wonderful GM of that game or grandmaster or leader, <laughs> Brandon. Um, um, yeah, I'm just going to jump in here really quick. Um, so, so what Brandon did was he made pre-generated characters for us for that game, which is, uh, that's a strategy that allows you to go really quickly players don't have to be as tied to their characters at the beginning as, as they would if they'd made up their own. And you also don't have to worry so much about figuring out number crunching and math and things like that. The, the thing that you trade off in pre-generated characters is that your players might be a little bit disconnected from the character at the beginning, or they might want to mix and match some of the traits and things that you found. So it's, it's a little, it, it's a, perfectly valid valid way of doing something like a one shot where we're just going to play you know a handful of sessions maybe and and call it done um so that you can jump right into the action and not worry about you know figuring out a whole bunch of stuff about the system with everybody so sorry i just wanted to throw that out there yeah. in case there's people who don't know about you know pre-generated characters and stuff absolutely um so i got i got a character who was a social worker pre-generated. And I actually picked that pre-generated character because I am a marriage and family therapist and I wanted to stick with what I know. Yeah. And I know that 
you know, I've gathered that a lot of more experienced players enjoy coming up with characters at times that are nothing like them and getting to explore being different, you know, in game than the way you are in, in regular life. But I definitely wanted to stick very closely to what I know. I don't, like I said, have an acting background. I'm not sophisticated in this area. So, uh, my character's name, uh, is, was Diane. And, um, I just, I took, and this is actually a piece of advice that I have for your listeners who are beginners. I came up with her personality by taking one quality I have, one personality trait I have, and then blowing it out of proportion. And then that just became the central theme of my character, Diane. And the quality I chose was my love for harmony in relationships, the fact that I tend to be pretty tuned in to how people are feeling or what they need. And I kind of want interactions to go well. Um, and, uh, and so I made, I just like supercharged her with that quality. And, and then I made her a little bit different for me too. Um, we share the, the desire for, um, you know, for like a positive connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but where she's different from me is she's a pretty concrete thinker, like a really sort of practical person. And I tend to be more of an abstract thinker and, you know, more into ideas than the practicalities of life. Sure, and sure. that made it fun because I, I actually, I did get to explore a, a character trait that's a bit different from my own. And, um, you know, I made her into someone who, uh, you know, really doesn't enjoy a lot of reflection, doesn't really enjoy thinking in terms of, you know, speculation or what if, which made things very interesting for her when she started turning into a werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I can understand that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things that I'm hearing you talk about are, I'd like to sort of explode out a little bit. It seems like you're uh, one of the bits of advice that I've been trying to mention lately um, on the show is that whenever you're starting any new endeavor, you know, whether it be uh, a new hobby or a new position at work or um, going back to school for something, you're, you're going to feel uncomfortable. It's it's just the nature of learning, right? And so if you're if you're starting off in a role playing game as a brand new person, and you're making your first character, the the thing that I really like hearing you say is to find something that is familiar, so that the rules are new, the the play style is new, the the setting is new, the dice are like everything is new, but there's that one part of your character or maybe everything in your character that feels familiar that you can fall back on. I, I think that's like an, an amazing piece of information for anyone who's playing a new thing. There are certain things that you can control and certain things that you can't. The the rules, the dice, the the procedures, the interactions with everybody out at the table, that's kind of out of your control. It's going to feel awkward no matter what you do. So where are the places where you can reclaim some of that familiarity and feel more at home in some way or another. So not everything is this alien concept. So I love that. We were talking earlier and you mentioned something else that you do with your characters that I think is 
brilliant and takes what I was just saying and, and blows it up and upgrades it. Um, do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. This is something I figured out in Star Wars and Star Wars has been to date the hardest game for me, for me, for a few. Oh, really? Days. Yeah. Um, mainly because I've kind of, I've kind of, um, come up with four domains of learning that you have to do when okay. you are new to a game. So there's, there's how role-playing games work in general, you know, like the mm -hmm. basic sort of framework, the fact that there's usually some kind of turn-taking among the players that mm -hmm. dice decide a lot of things. Um, then you've got, after that, you've got the context or world of a specific game. So yeah. the, the, the culture of the game, um, in, in the case of Star Wars, I, I, do, I had never actually watched all the Star Wars movies and I was very, um, uh, I was just missing a lot of information that everyone else in the group had because everyone else seems to really love Star Wars and has <laughs> really kept up with Star Wars. Yeah. So I was not only, I mean, by then, fortunately, I had the basics down of how role-playing games work, but I didn't have the context or, or the world knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then I also didn't have the game mechanic, the, the rules of this particular game, yeah. how, how this specific game works. And then lastly, there's the unfolding plot and the other player characters that you need to sort of be able to follow and keep up with. So in the games we played previously, there wasn't a whole lot of context or world knowledge needed prior to starting the game. We were sort of all learning it at the same time, or that was maybe not quite as important as the other parts of the game. But Star Wars really tripped me up because I was trying to, I was trying to learn the game mechanic and I was trying to keep track of the plot and the other characters while I was desperately confused about the Star Wars world. <laughs> yeah, there's so much shorthand there of like just saying, um, uh, you know, I'm a, a Wookiee who is a force user. And if you are not a, uh, if you're not familiar with the Star Wars universe, that shorthand ceases to be a useful tool and starts to become a hindrance pretty quickly. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there, you know, what popped up again was my insecurity around not knowing what to do when it came to my turn because I didn't mm -hmm. really understand what was happening. And again, not wanting to be a drag on the game for everyone else. Yeah. Um, so I, I did something that is actually another piece of advice that I think is great for beginners, which is I started talking about gaming outside of the game. I started hitting up Brandon and Sean and having conversations with both of them about the dilemmas I was, you know, I was encountering um, my, the ways that my lack of knowledge about Star Wars was making it hard for me to keep up. Um, I came to them with questions and I'll say I was hesitant because I, again, I felt like, um, you know, here they probably just want to show up to the game and have fun. They probably don't want to be talking about it, you know, outside. I, I find I that so wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I find that anytime you engage 
a, a gamer in the game that they're excited about, they will talk you to death. They will like it's it's any excuse it's <laughs> to true. just break down, e- even if it comes down to like, well, this is my theory of how this works and, you know, breaking it down that way versus, well, this is the story that we're going on or, you know, whatever aspect it is that they're psyched about. I mean, just take a look at how many role-playing podcasts there are out there now. That should be an example of how people who do this really like to talk about it. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, I, I did so at first with a lot of apologizing and, you know, but, but no, it was, it, they were so up for talking about it. And I mean, not only because they both love gaming, but also because they're just two awesome supportive people. Um, But out of this, out of these conversations, I was finally able to hit on, and this is, I think what you were alluding to hit on an approach that made it finally click for me with my character. And that was, I made my insecurities areas where my character struggled as well. Very cool. So so my insecurity was, I don't know the world of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a clue about what's going on a lot of the time. And so I was able to create a backstory for my character. And her name, by the way, was was F-E-P-O, a -hmm. play on C-3PO because she's... um, she was a droid. And for any Myers-Briggs fans you have uh, among your listeners, FE is the, uh, it's the <laughs> notation or the abbreviation for extroverted feeling, which is the cognitive function uh, in our personalities that tends to be the domain of wanting harmony and caring for other people's feelings and needs and being very attuned to that. So that I just is, put that in there. That's wonderful. <laughs> I thought I, I was pretty pleased with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I felt pretty clever. Um, so Effie or Fee, as as she was eventually nicknamed, um, I created a backstory for her that she had had this really sheltered life um in the household of Senator Organa. And uh she she was like his personal um reader, you know when he was done with the strains of the day, he would, you know, kick back and she would read to him. So she had a lot of knowledge about like literature and poetry and stuff, but not so much about the world outside of the walls of the household. And uh, so I turned, I turned me into an innocent. I turned her into someone who, as she's having these encounters and adventures um, in the Star Wars world, she doesn't know how to interpret things correctly. Yeah, you know, she baby. doesn't have context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't have context. She was a baby. Um, and so I, I think my my favorite moment with her came when a, char- a, a Sith character was introduced. Um, and uh, uh, you'll probably remember the Sith's name. Um, oh man, I'd have to pull up my notes. It's it's been okay. Okay, several weeks. Uh, when a female Sith arrived on the scene, and uh, here Fee is feeling really lost in this world, you know, making mistakes right and left. She sees this this female Sith who is this seems to have a very like strong sense of internal direction and is really 
uh, confident. And she's like, I want her to be my mentor. And every, all the other player characters are suspicious of the Sith. They know what a Sith is. You know, at least some of the characters knew what a Sith was and were not on board. And I was just gung-ho for the Sith, you know. And and we wound up having, Sean was playing um, the Sith. And we wound up having a conversation that was really fun for me where, you know, the Sith's actually being pretty honest about who she is and, you know, her destructive potential. And I am just, uh, I'm just translating that into, oh, you're so assertive, you know, you're so like, <laughs> you're so confident, you know what you want and you go for it, you know, and, and she's even correcting me, trying to help me see, you know, she's a pretty dark person, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, will you be my mentor? I want to be like you. And so I wound up having a lot of fun in a world I didn't understand because I just yeah. took my deficit understanding of, of Star Wars and, and gave it to my character. Oh, it's brilliant. Brilliant. That, that is amazing. I love that so much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more from Joy to continue our discussion of tips for new players. Until then, please check out these ads for new podcasts from a few friends of ours. We're rolling. Mark. Hello, I'm Sky. And I'm Ford. Together, we form the writing partnership of L. Skyford. We're excited to bring you Booklandia, a new podcast about books. On Booklandia, we review books, mostly. Honestly, mostly romance books. We'll occasionally discuss book topics, like our favorite and least favorite romance book tropes. Maybe one day I'll learn what a cinnamon roll is. Maybe. Perhaps we'll also dive into my psyche and why I hate the enemies to lovers trope and why it's such a popular one. Is it because you're a robot? Probably. We will absolutely spoil books for you. We will absolutely f***ing curse. And you will leave each episode knowing just how sexy we thought each book was. Did it make us want to get naked? Maybe. I'm definitely naked. (laughs) Probably. So am I. So please join (laughs) us on Booklandia, (laughs) where each book is a whole world to explore. And we're out. Hello and welcome to the Annabelle H. Godfrey Historic Estate and Museum. Thank you for joining us on the Godfrey's world-famous audio guide. I'll be your host for the duration of your time here at the estate, and look forward to enlightening you as to the history and unique beauty of Annabelle's eclectic collection of art, antiquities, and curiosities. But before we begin, I must go over a few notices and estate rules. Firstly, on the chance that you failed to read the fine print when checking out this audio guide, and are currently standing in the middle of our atrium, waiting for a staff member to come and collect you, this is a self-guided tour. Each audio guide is equipped with a GPS tracking device, which triggers the commentary for the nearest collection item. This provides the dual benefit of a custom experience for you, and helping the Godfrey staff locate unreturned audio guides. Many audio guides are discovered abandoned in dark and seldom-traversed corners of the estate, their patrons nowhere to be found. Which leads me to my second point of business. Stay out of the shadows. Thirdly, breaks in commentary as you move between collection items may be filled with historical tidbits about the estate, details about current or upcoming exhibits and offerings, general announcements, or words from our sponsor. Do not be alarmed when these start playing. And no, you cannot mute or skip them. Fourthly, 
and this should go without saying. Do not touch any collection items. This is for your own safety. That's all for now. Shall we begin? The Godfrey Audio Guide is a fiction podcast that blends horror, sci-fi, and art history, both real and imagined, and which guides the listener through the mysterious Godfrey Estate and Museum. Interested in taking the tour? Find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you at the museum. And we're back with our guest Joy to talk about tips for new players. So we've we've talked a little bit about your introduction to games, um, mainly Brandon uh, dragging you in, kicking and screaming. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've been talking a lot about using the rest of the group as a resource. Yeah. And talking to people outside of the game and and that kind of thing. In one of your notes that we were talking about before, you'd mentioned the importance of a supportive group to a new yeah. player. Can you expound on that a little bit? I, I think, I hope that the, <laughs> uh, the, the meaning behind that is pretty self-explanatory, but I just kind of want to hear it from your perspective as somebody who's new, who has leaned on that and, and gotten some value out of that. Absolutely. I, that's my number one piece of advice, actually, to anyone who's considering uh, joining a role-playing game for the first time, is find a supportive group. Um, I came in with a mentality that my lack of knowledge, my questions uh, were going to be a burden for the group, but I found just the opposite to be true. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that um, you and the other members of our group actually have a vested interest in in helping newer people um, discover the enjoyment of gaming. And yeah. so you all, you know, in your own way, acted as mentors for me um, and were happy to pause, you know, anytime there was something I wasn't understanding and explain it. I mean, you still, you guys still do that, <laughs> um, well, especially think... when it comes to character creation and the game mechanic. Yeah, I, I think there's something there that that we should explore a little bit too. Is that I think there are things that new players run up against, and they believe that it's their problem because they're new. And I don't think that that's necessarily true all the time. For example, we were talking before about how it takes a while. It, it took a while for you to feel like you could really settle into fee and understand them. Right. And it was, it wasn't until that episode when the Sith came in and you made this bold decision for your character that was just uh -huh. the best. And that's really when you started to feel comfortable in the game. Right. And that might've been four sessions in or something like that, five sessions, something like that. Yeah. Probably closer to five. And, and so as a seasoned player, I can tell you the same thing happens to me. And I think that's an important thing for beginners to understand as well, is that as seasoned players, even in games that have been running for years, we'll stop and talk about the rules and figure things out. We'll, we'll ask questions. We still need to be reminded about, okay, so if I'm going to try this, what dice am I rolling? What's happening here? You know, that kind of thing. Or, or we'll return to a setting that we had been in once before 
and not remember, like you're not expected to remember everything. Nobody has it all locked in their head. I've been running a game for three years and I have a spreadsheet. <laughs> well, I have a whole Google folder that's full of a bunch of stuff, um, but I've got a Google spreadsheet that has an entry for every character and location that we've gone to and like random important plot things because I need to go back and reference it. And, and right now there's over 600 entries in it. There's no way I'm going to be able to remember all of that. And I'm the one running the game. <laughs> so <laughs> like, um, I, everybody needs to have, uh, uh, I think if I could give something to our guests, our audience, I would, I would wish for you to have the knowledge that everybody needs a reference point every once in a while. Everybody needs to stop and ask. And it's not just because you're new. It's because these games are kind of complicated. <laughs> There's be. a lot of rules and system in, in, in a lot of these games. Some of them are way more pared back. You know, the rules in Goblin Quest are much more simplified than the rules in Star Wars. It's my kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> right, my exactly. Kind of <laughs> and so, so I think but just to, to jump back to what you were saying about a group and and being in a place where you feel comfortable talking to people about the things you feel insecure about. I agree completely that that is so important. I, I don't know how anyone can get into this hobby without that. Hmm. I know a lot of horror stories about people who are excited to play and then they get into a game and there's like gatekeeping going on and people are um, I've definitely heard horror stories where people do behave that way, where they treat the new guy like the FNG and, you know, uh, the fucking new guy and roll their eyes and stuff like that. But those people are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. be friends with those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, uh, I, I kind of cut you off there. Um, no, that, that was pretty much it. I just think, you know, find a supportive game. If you have a friend who you trust who games, you know, they're a great resource. You know, ask them if there are any openings in their game um, or maybe they'll know someone else who's running a game who they trust. Um, just if you, if you join the game and find that people are being antagonistic or impatient or whatever, you know, I would just bail because mm -hmm. there are better, better ones out there. Yeah. Um, I'll say, I'll say that again. Um, there are certainly other <laughs> groups out there. There's also things that like, maybe it just doesn't gel with you because of play style. Maybe it's not anything antagonistic, but maybe you're playing in a group that really prioritizes combat and you want to be more of a social character or vice versa maybe they're playing a really political social talking game and you just want to get in there and swing your battle axe around and roll some dice neither of those is bad uh it just might not be a good fit right off the bat um so uh please keep trying because <laughs> uh, it really can be so good yeah Okay, so I think, is there anything else you'd like to touch on as far as how you were able to or how you are working on overcoming feeling insecure at the table? Yeah, there's one other piece, and that is simply, um, you know, if you're like me and 
you know, I, I call myself a post-processor, meaning I don't do my best cognitive processing in the moment, hmm. uh, unless it's an area where I have a vast body of experience. Um, if it's a new area, then I'm going to be slower at processing in the moment. Uh, and then the magic happens after the experience is over and I get to do a bunch of post-processing and I actually learn a lot in that stage, integrate a lot, find patterns in that stage. So if you're like me, I recommend doing something I didn't do and learning more about role-playing games in general and the specific game you're going to be playing beforehand. And mm. that could be as easy as going to the person who invited you or asking the group you're joining, whether anyone has some time or, I mean, there's just a prolific amount of information out there online. So, mm -hmm. I mean, YouTube videos galore, write-ups galore. So um, I think it's not hard to find that information. And if it helps you to feel, if being prepared helps you to feel more confident, then that's definitely an option. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that idea. I'd also like to throw out as a potential resource, if you have the time in your day, um, whatever game you're trying to play, there's probably an actual play podcast of that game. Uh, the One Shot Network um, has hundreds of episodes where they will play a game for two or three sessions. And you can just go in and listen to it real quick and see how things work. So being able th that sort of opens the door to being a spectator in this hobby and it's kind of a new thing within the last few years of people recording their games and and putting them out for an audience that actually really interests me because another thing about the way that I learn and some of your listeners might relate to this is I almost favor learning by proxy over mm -hmm. direct learning so if I can watch someone else do the thing that I want to learn how to do, that's maybe even a little bit more valuable than looking up a bunch of rules, certainly more enjoyable for me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And, and I don't think you're alone there. I think that's uh, a really common, uh, a really common learning style. Um, pedagogy isn't the right word there, but uh, it's the one that's popping in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, thank you for being on the show, Joy. I think that about does it for this topic. I hope our listeners are able to pick up a few tidbits here. Do you have anything that you would like to plug before we throw it to the socials? Thanks for asking. Um, I'd love your listeners to know that in addition to being a marriage and family therapist, I am also the founder and leader of a community called INFJ School. That is my personality type in the Myers-Briggs. It's mm -hmm. a type I have a lot of expertise in. And uh, I have a membership program where people pay a low monthly fee for a monthly live workshop and Q&A, as well as access to all the past workshop recordings on our member site. And, um, you know, what I mentioned earlier about uh, extroverted feeling and loving harmony in relationships that's, that's a really strong INFJ trait. And if you're like me and um, also have that as a strong trait, INFJ school is a place where we come together and I, I do a lot of teaching about how to honor that, that need and love for harmony while also learning things like boundaries, how to deal with conflict, because those are really, really important tools for INFJs to have as well. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So what would a workshop be like? I know we didn't really talk about this ahead of time, but now I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, the workshops are online over Zoom, so you can tune in from anywhere in the world. Um, every month I, I pick a new topic based on feedback I'm getting from the members about where they're struggling or where they want to gain more insight. And then I, I usually do um, a lesson or a talk in that area. Uh, and then uh, we have time for discussion in Q&A. And the community has actually become really close-knit. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that uh, because the INFJ type is the rarest in the Myers-Briggs, it feels like coming home to be among wow. others of the type. And some, some previous you know, past workshop topics we've done have been INFJs and relationships, how to, um, how to find the connection you crave, INFJs and creativity, um, INFJs and high sensitivity. Uh, we do a lot of talking about self-care, uh, meaningful, not just lists like take a bath, although sure. I'm into baths, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, how to actually really the foundation of INFJ school is how to work with the unique way we're wired. And so in a sense, everything we've talked about today, me learning to navigate gaming in a way that works for me is really mm -hmm. built on me understanding myself and my personality type. Cool. That's awesome. Amazing. So yeah, uh, if you are also an INFJ, or if you are curious, if you are, there are Myers-Briggs tests online, I know that you can find. And, and how would people find you if they were looking for that? Yeah, you, you can email me at uh, info at Joy Malik, that's J-O-Y-M-L-I-K-M-A-L-E-K.com. You can also just go to my website, joymalik.com. Brilliant. Okay. That's wonderful. Uh, and as always, listeners, if you have concerns about getting started with role-playing games, you can hit me up on Twitter at Finnegan1, that is F-I-O-N-N-E-G-A-N and the numeral one. Um, sorry about that O, it's that traditional Gaelic spelling, and they throw a bunch of extra letters in there all the time. So thank you, Joy, for being my guest today. This was awesome, very eye-opening, and have a great day. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.